0: This afternoon, we're continuing our journey through the Gospel of Matthew. Last week, Larry took us to Jesus calling his first disciples to follow him. Now, one of the things that Larry highlighted, uh, which is so important for us to grasp as we read Matthew and really all of God's Word, uh, but what he highlighted is that the narrative was not so much about the importance of being like the disciples and following Jesus. Uh, the, the importance of the narrative was to put on display the heart of Jesus Christ. And when we come to scripture, we're often so quick to begin asking and wondering, what does this say to me? And what am I supposed to do in response to this? And these are good questions, and they're appropriate questions, but they're not the first questions we should be asking when we come to God's word. These questions are only rightly asked after we first grasp how our given text reveals God to us. So we must begin with these questions. What does this say about God? How does this text reveal who he is? These are the questions that should shape and inform our lives as as Christians, our our response. What are we to do? And it's critical for us to continue to keep this in mind as we read Matthew. And just one example of this, starting next week, we're gonna gonna begin what's known as the Sermon on the Mount, walking through that. And there's these three chapters, Matthew five through seven, that describe life of the citizens of the kingdom of God. And it may be easy to hear these sermons only listening for, what must I do? But let us not lose sight of the fact that even the Sermon on the Mount, while it does instruct us on how we are to live, it's first about who Jesus Christ is. The centrality of Jesus Christ is the the vital fact of Matthew's Gospel. And it's the central focus, once again, of our passage this afternoon. Now, the the text we come to today describes the nature of Jesus' ministry and the response of the people who witnessed it. It's a simple text, just three verses, and it won't take long for us to get the sense of them. And we're going to work through our text under these two headings, the the nature of Jesus' ministry and the response to Jesus' ministry. After we work through our text, we want to then, in light of who Jesus Christ is, who this text reveals Him to be, we are going to consider an implication for us today. So with that, let's look to God's Word together. This is the the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God. Now, read along as I read from Matthew... 4 verses 23 through 25. And Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Would you pray with me once again? Oh, Father, thank you for speaking to us through your word. Thank you that, that your word is sufficient for us uh, and it's, it's clear to us because you reveal it by your spirit. And spirit, would you open our eyes to see your glory? Would you open our ears to, to hear your truth? Would you open our hearts? to receive what you have for us today. Help me as I, as I seek to get out of the way and point people to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Now, summaries are a very common feature of writing and speaking. I still vividly remember ninth grade English and my teacher just drilling home to the class what every speech should look like. You're going to tell them what you're going to tell them. You're going to tell them. You're going to tell them what you told them. That's what you do. And in a sense, that's what Matthew is doing here. He presents a summary of Jesus' ministry in Galilee. But it's not a summary of what has happened. It's not all these things have happened and now this is the result. Uh, It's a summary of of, of what's to come. It's a summary of the nature and context of everything that's about to happen. So as we make our way through the next several chapters of Matthew, this text should be in the background of our minds. This is where it's all taking place. And that brings us to our first point, the nature of Jesus's ministry, verse 23. Matthew begins by telling us about the nature of Jesus's ministry in Galilee. He tells us that that opening phrase that he went throughout all Galilee conducting his ministry. Now Galilee was a, was an area that was about half the size of the metro the DC metro area. Uh, it was 2800 square miles, uh, made up of about 200 different cities and villages. And most of these had thousands of people in them. So it's a fairly substantial area with with estimates are about 3 million people in it at the time that Jesus was ministering. And Matthew tells us that Jesus went all throughout this region, all throughout Galilee. Now think for a moment about how exhausting and demanding this must have been. This was before Metro, if Metro ran on time and the trains worked. This was before cars, uh, Jesus would go from place to place ministering to these people. And if he went to two villages per day, it would take him around three months just to hit every village in this in this region. Now the ministry of Jesus was widespread and, and wandering. He was this itinerant preacher in a sense. The itinerant preacher and teacher going from town to town, place to place. So Matthew gives us that picture by telling us that he went throughout all Galilee. And then he gives us three aspects of Jesus's ministry teaching preaching and healing Now, he first says that Jesus went throughout all Galilee teaching in their synagogues now the synagogue was the the central place of Jewish life in each of these towns it's the place where Jews would come and assemble and they would come to study and learn the law of God and importantly it was the place of it was the place of instruction and teaching for Jews It would not have been unusual for a rabbi to come into a town and then go teach at the synagogue. And this is the first aspect of what Jesus came to do. He came to teach. He went throughout all Galilee teaching about the law of God in the synagogues. Then Matthew tells us second that Jesus was first teaching, next proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. The word here for proclaiming is also translated preach. It refers to the act of of declaring a particular message. It's the the setting out of specific truth and Matthew tells us what that truth was what Jesus came to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom now the gospel it's it's good news and what made this news good was that it was the breaking in of the rule and reign of God into this world now when we hear kingdom I know when I hear kingdom it can be easy to think of a thing it's a place But this word is much more about rule and reign and much less about place. Kingdom here describes God's ruling. Jesus comes to declare and express the gracious and sovereign will of God in the world. That is the gospel of the kingdom. The third thing Matthew tells us about Jesus' ministry demonstrates the good news of this kingdom. He tells us that Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching, proclaiming, and healing every disease... And every affliction among the people. Jesus didn't only care about telling people about God and the coming of his kingdom, he demonstrated the difference that this makes in people's lives. He cared about and brought about wholeness to people. The ministry of Jesus it prioritized spiritual need but it had physical expression as it showed that that he had power over all sickness and all disease. This is what Jesus did. He went from town to town, proclaiming, teaching, and healing. This is what he gave himself to do. This is what it looked like for the kingdom of God to break into this fallen world. But think for a moment about this for Jesus and what it says about him. As he goes from town to town, his his message doesn't change. He's He's teaching the same things. He is proclaiming the same message. And neither do the needs of the people... Who come who come to him neither their needs change so he repeats over and over again the same truth he solves the same problems he heals the same sicknesses and diseases over and over again each town as he's going around yet it was his joy to patiently teach and preach and heal again and again now as a as a parent am i still there i am as a parent of four children, I, I can face the challenge of repeating myself again and again. And I grow quickly tired of that. But not Jesus. Not Jesus. He didn't extend his hand of mercy begrudgingly, but willingly and generously and patiently. And the same is still true today. This is the, it's the same Jesus today. Jesus is a willing Savior. He does not withhold the free gift of salvation from those who seek him. He invites all to come to him, for he is willing and able to give true rest. Jesus is a willing Savior. Jesus is a generous Savior. He doesn't do the minimum, but his mercy and grace, the the sufficiency of his work, far exceeds our need, far surpasses our need. John tells us that from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. It's like Psalm 103, 11 12 tell us, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. We can't measure that distance. So great is his love. And Jesus is also a patient Savior. He does not only proclaim the good news of salvation once, but again and again. as as the son of a pastor, one who grew up in in a home where the gospel proclaimed to me again and again, I'm so grateful that Jesus is a patient Savior because I heard the gospel hundreds and hundreds of times before the Lord ever moved on my heart and I responded to it. Our Savior does not grow weary or tired of showing forth his abounding love and mercy. Jesus does not need to be provoked to show this love either. One author says that the Lord's anger requires provocation. His mercy, in contrast, is pent up, ready to gush forth. We tend to think the opposite. We tend to think that divine anger is pent up, spring-loaded, ready to go. And divine mercy is slow to build. But it's just the opposite with God. The author says this, he says, divine mercy is ready to burst forth at the slightest prick. So just as Jesus made his way from town to town, showing his great love and mercy, so he is available to us today, patiently and readily available to show forth the goodness and glory of God to us. This is who he is. Brothers and sisters, marvel at at the compassion of Jesus for sinners. Matthew directed us to Isaiah 9 earlier in this chapter. He described this people in the region of Galilee as those who, who dwelled in darkness, who dwelled in the region and shadow of death. And it's here, right in this place, that the light of Jesus shines bright. And our resurrected Savior shines bright still today. Like how we sing it often, we sing, Come behold the wondrous mystery. In the dawning of the King, in the coming of this King, He, the theme of heaven's praises, robed in frail humanity, in our longing, in our darkness, now the light of life has come. So look to Christ who condescended, took on flesh to ransom us. What a hope we have in Jesus. This is who we see in Matthew's description of the nature of Christ's ministry. One who is overflowing, abounding with grace and truth. Matthew next next describes for us the response of the people to Jesus' ministry. We see this in the next two verses. He first tells us about the fame of Jesus. People from far beyond Galilee, Syria, heard about this Jesus Christ and what he was saying and doing. So much so that that Matthew then tells us in verse 25 that people came to follow him from from Galilee, this is the region he's in the Decapolis, which are these ten cities around Galilee, outside Galilee and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Now if we're not up to date on our Middle Eastern first century geography this list of cities doesn't mean that much to us. But Matthew's readers would have picked up on the sense that, that people came from the north and the south and from the east and the west. There was no limit to the spread of his fame as people responded to his work and word. This was before social media and before 24-7 news. This was just word of mouth. Spreading north, south, east, west. And as his fame spread, the second thing Matthew tells us is that those who heard of Jesus brought him, all the sick and needy, Matthew describes the broad scope of who was brought to him, saying there was those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, all manner of sicknesses and diseases that, that plagued people. Jesus came to do this. They brought, they brought these people, and he healed them. Matthew's point is that there was not an ailment or a trouble that was too big for the power of the inbreaking of God's kingdom in this world through Jesus Christ. Not one, not one could outmatch the matchless power of God. The Bible makes clear that that sickness of all kinds, it stems both directly and indirectly from, from the fall, from the presence of sin in this world. As a result of sin entering this world, sickness and all manners of disorder and evil came along with it. But the coming of Jesus, the good news of the gospel of the kingdom, points us to the end, of all this sin and all this grief. Now, Matthew's readers probably would have read these words with with Isaiah 35, verse 5 and 6 ringing in their ears. Isaiah prophesies that that God will come to his people, bringing salvation. And he writes this, I'm going to begin in verse 3. He says, Strengthen the weak hands, and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then, verse 5 says this Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. And right here, all throughout the region of Galilee, this is exactly what is taking place. The kingdom of God is broken into the world. God's rule and his reign is seen wherever Jesus goes every town, every village. The teaching of the world fall short of his wisdom. No news is better than the message that Jesus comes to proclaim. All sickness and disease, they they stand no chance before the power and glory of Jesus Christ. These are the signs of his kingdom. And notice that that the signs of his kingdom are not of judgment and wrath, but of mercy and kindness. Think back about the signs that God showed the the Egyptians when Moses came. said, let my people go. Where God, through Moses, turned water into blood, Jesus comes and turns water into wine. Where God, through Moses, sent boils and sores, Jesus heals every sickness. What love and mercy and kindness. This is our Savior, and there is no one like Him in His compassion, in His mercy, in His grace, in His truth. Now that we've considered who Jesus is, we have the right perspective now to turn and reflect on how we are to respond to his revelation. And I think we can see our response the response of the crowd that followed Jesus. Look again in that first phrase of, of chapter 4, verse 24. It says, So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick. From the end of the verse, says, He healed them. As his, fame, as his fame spread, what happened? They brought him all the sick. Now, we gather this afternoon as a people who who mostly know the truth that is found in Jesus. We have experienced his love and mercy. We have received his gift of salvation. We have been sustained and strengthened by his spirit. We know who he is. His fame has spread to us. And here is where we must respond. Bring him the sick. And by the sick... I do mean literally the sick, but more so, I mean those who are dead in their sin, walking in darkness. Bring them to Jesus. For those of us who believe in the sovereign grace of God, who chooses people, chooses to save people, you may be thinking that that this isn't really for you to do. God must do it in them. He must draw them to himself. And yes, yes, he alone can save. But he often, almost always, uses others To bring others to himself he uses us to bring others to himself now imagine with me for a moment what it must have been like to be in the region of galilee during those days you live in one of these seaside villages before modern medicine existed before vaccinations and you see people every day who have been just ravaged by diseases both physical and mental some can't walk some can't see or hear and some are just crazy they're lunatics. They're, they're entirely unaware that they have any problem. Some have received every treatment and tried everything imaginable, yet they've received no relief. These are people you see every day. They, they have no comfort, no healing. And they, these people are resigned to their faith. They're discouraged and dying. But then people begin hearing stories about Jesus. His fame is spreading. And you hear about the sick being healed. And you hear about Crazy John in the town over, who's not crazy anymore. You know about those who are sick and suffering, and and there's no way that they can come on their own. Pete down the street can't walk. He can't come to Jesus. But you can bring him to Jesus. You and others can bring them to Jesus, and the same is true for us today. Paul describes in Ephesians 2 that, that those who are outside of Christ, they are dead in their trespasses and sins. Dead people can't walk. We must bring those around us to Jesus, for he is the only one who can bring salvation to their souls. Now, who must we bring? Which would be the first question we ask. Who must we bring to Jesus? Think about your children, your unsaved children. Think about your neighbors or your coworkers. Think about your lost relative. Have these people in mind and consider, now how do we bring people to Jesus? How do we bring people to Jesus? you know how we do it? We pray for them. Choose one person and pray for them. Pray for them every day that God would save them. In prayer, we have a, a great power, a power greater than any power that we can imagine. Charles Spurgeon, he writes this. He says, have you any sick in your house? Bring them out on the bed of prayer to Christ. Mother, bring out your sick son and your sick daughter. Wife, bring out your demoniacal husband who seems as if he were possessed of the devil. I say to one and another among you, bring out that friend of yours who acts as, as if he were made with sin, like a very lunatic. Bring them all out as they did of old and plead this day with Christ for their salvation. Brothers and sisters, bring out the sick to Jesus through prayer. And, and pray expectantly at what God will do through the power of his gospel. Here we read that, that as people were brought, they were healed. So it is today. As sinners are brought to Jesus, they will be saved. Our God is a God who delights in rescuing the wayward, redeeming the rebellious, saving the sickest. So brothers and sisters, pray. Pray in faith that the great physician would heal the souls of the sick around you. He has done it for you, and he is eager to do it for others. Jesus is not a specialist when it comes to healing diseases. He can heal everyone his blood is enough to cover every sin no one is outside the reach of his grace and if you're here this afternoon and you haven't placed your trust in Jesus Christ look to him look to him today look to him now your only hope in this life is found in the death that he died for you trust in what he has done repent of your sins and be forgiven his body was broken his hands were pierced His blood was shed on your behalf for you, sinner. So look to Jesus and find healing for your soul. And what an opportunity we have to be reminded to pray for the lost during during this season. This season, our celebration of Christmas, it's about the inbreaking of the kingdom of God into our world. The coming of this baby, it represents the, the hope of the nations. He has come to reverse the curse of Adam's fall. He has come to be our savior. So, Grace Church, trust in him, hope in him, find life in his name, and bring others to him in prayer. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Father, thank you for speaking to us through your word. Thank you that you are a God who who is ready and able and eager and willing to save. And we ask that you would give us grace to love those around us, to love them enough to pray for them, to bring them to you in prayer. And Lord, we ask that we would, we would see a harvest in our, in our families and in our communities, uh, a harvest of, of those who once were lost in darkness, dead in their sin, made alive in you. So Jesus' name we pray. Amen.